Okay. So I'm going to ask you to look under the hood and help us understand some of the language that is a dead giveaway that says, oh man, there's no way that you're relevant and what those replacements are. Because you and I both have a very clear understanding and yet the rest of the marketplace, sadly, is continuing to repurpose and reuse these thinking that this is what should mm -hmm. be done. So let it rip, Colleen. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you asked it. So number one for me, seasoned. I hate it. I can't stand seasoned. Please don't call yourself seasoned. You're not a piece of meat. You're, you know, <laughs> you, you, so many things, but seasoned isn't it. Experience, again, it, for me, experience it just makes you sound old, even if I know that's not what you're intending, but it is. You know, I have references available on request. We know that, you know, it's <laughs> exactly. Yes. The idea of job security is outdated as a landline. If you haven't been in a search for a while, it's probable you will at some point by choice or not. Most executives admit to staying way too long or sense what's coming and justify staying anyway. Here, there's another reason. The faulty belief that navigating to what's next will inevitably be worse and has to suck. Screw that. Lauren Greif has spent a lifetime in corporate and executive search, calling bullshit on stale career advice that most still use. This is Career Blast in a Half, the career podcast for executives ready to cut past outdated career advice to fuel your outcomes now. So let's go. It's time to buckle up. This episode, the raw and real about relevance and ageism is brought to you by the legend herself, Colleen Paulson. And in case you don't know me, I'm Lauren Greif and I'm your host of Career Blast and a Half. And I am on a hardcore mission to end career victimization so that you are more fulfilled and also, so that same old stinky cycle doesn't keep happening over and over and over again. So, if you don't know Colleen Paulson, you're welcome, because I can tell you right here and now, not only does she have the most incredible content on LinkedIn specifically, but her topic and her, and her focus is on ageless careers, and that's the name of her company, and she is our founder. And so, Colleen, welcome, welcome, welcome. Super happy that you're here. And thanks for jumping through the hoops and the home renovations and all that stuff to be here today. Yeah, no, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks again for having me. Um, just, it's a great talk. It, it's a sad topic in a way, like whether we have to talk about it, but people need to be informed and they need to know how to navigate those waters. So I'm excited to cover this with you today. All right, we're going to dive right in because I'm going to share some, what do they call it, back of the napkin kind of statistics and not to be a numbers nerd, but just to put this into a framework. So in case you didn't know this, because I really didn't either, this is the first time in the history of the world that there are five, count them, five generations 
in the workforce. Of those five, what I understand is roughly 58%, more than half of them are baby boomers and Gen Xers. So that's an awful lot. And so help us, Colleen, in understanding why this audience of Gen Xers and baby boomers is so near and dear to your heart and why it is that you decided to focus your career consultancy on ageless careers. So I'm a Gen Xer, you know, I'm 48, right? So I'm, I'm not afraid of my age. I, and I also have four kids. And so I, through certain phases of my life, decided to kind of back off on my career and focus, you know, in different places. And then, you know, it's interesting because, you know, in, I don't even know if we'll get into gendered ageism, right? Because that might not, that could be a whole show of itself. But you know, as I started working with clients who were around my age or in their 50s or 60s, these folks have a ton to give, right? And yet they would, they were applying for jobs. And so number one, these are high achievers, right? And then they get to a point where jobs were like coming to them in their, you know, 30s, maybe even early 40s. And then they get to a point where like, no, those jobs aren't coming anymore. And then when they apply for jobs, they're not getting callbacks. And they're like, what changed? Why doesn't anyone want me anymore? I still have all this great experience. What is going on? And so for me, you know, the more I started working with these folks, I'm like, this is really where, you know, I feel like my passion is because it it doesn't feel fair, right? You work <clears throat> your entire life, you build this great career, and then you're being told, eh, you know, you're 62, you're probably going to leave in three years anyways, who cares? And that's horrible. So, so, you know, what I try to do is help to position people for those jobs so that, you know, they can get themselves in the door, right? You know, you're not going to like beat everything, but just at least get in the door. So how do we flip that script, right? So we break down that kind of, no, no pun intended, the age old idea that old equals obsolete. How do we flip that switch? Because a lot of people are still believing, and we hear this in, in part of conversations, well, I'm, and I'm sure you do too, right? I, so many of the prospects and people that we talk to, it's almost like they're apologizing right from the very beginning. And so right. and please go ahead, help us. Yeah, no, I, you know, it's, and it, it's, you know, my clients will start a conversation with me, you know, Hey, I'm, you know, 62. And, and listen, for me, your age is like, it, it really is so irrelevant to the kind of job you're going to do. And so, you know, as far as positioning folks, like, you know, sometimes, you know, part of my advice is, Hey, we're going to be careful on the dates that we put in our resume. You're not putting year of graduation. You know, I, I, people will send me resumes with like graduation dates of 1979. And so that's awesome. But like, you can't have it. And it's not, it might not feel fair to you, but you got to set yourself up in the best possible way. Right. So it, while it may not feel, you've got to listen, your, your graduation year, it just doesn't matter. There's some pieces of your work history that just are irrelevant. And so 
you know, our goal is to put together a resume LinkedIn profile that just shows the most relevant highlights and really the kind of things, the kind of value that you can add for companies. That's where we're focusing, you know, and so it, it's staying relevant. It's, it's creating that LinkedIn profile that, that makes you look savvy because you are, you know, and it, it's showing that you're, you're, you're staying up on trends and you're not, you know, that you're, you're in the, the 21st century. That's, that's what you want to do. So I heard you say that some things are irrelevant and now we want to move to being relevant, but to the world of hiring, it isn't irrelevant. Your age has certain connotations and people have certain expectations, perceptions, and all of that that's going on there. So if I am a candidate and let's just say I've been laid off or let's just say I've chosen to leave and now I'm entering into this market as of today, what can I do to both be honest and be in a level or a place of confidence where I am no longer apologizing and the age is almost an irrelevant factor altogether. How do we how do we stand in that power and how do we get past some of that stinking thinking? Right, right. Well, first it, it is to be aware that there are folks that have those beliefs. I mean, I've seen like crazy studies that people for the people actually admit to this that they like that they you know, and so for the people that admit it that's one thing, but then think about all the people that don't admit. It. I mean, there, there are folks that will say, if a 30-year-old walks in the room and a 60-year-old walks in the room, I think it was like three times more people would hire the 30-year-old. So, so there are insane assumptions out there, right? For me, the best thing you can do is just focus on impact and results. You are any other, just like any other candidate, just like you did when you were 30, just like you did when you were you know, 40, you're going to focus on these are my, this is the value I have to deliver and really being confident in that. Because I, what I find with folks, and I'm sure you see the same thing is when folks do hit a setback, right? Like maybe you were laid off, maybe you're just not sure of where you're going next. And then you start bombing interviews because your confidence is low. And then it just becomes a snowball effect where you're just, you know, it, it you, you're stuck. And so it's, it's being aware that that can happen. And then, you know, getting that support system in place and remembering all the great things that you have done and all the impact that you do, you can deliver. So that, and understanding, listen, it's just like with everything in life, you're not going to be everyone, you and who you are, it's not going to be right for everyone. And that's, that's great. Good for them. You know, if, if someone doesn't want you, okay, well, you'll find some, you'll find a better opportunity. It's, it's keeping that confidence and just knowing that, you know, you'll find the, the right place for you, but you got to focus on, you know, the impact you can deliver, the value you can deliver and staying in that spot. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to look under the hood and help us understand some of the language that is a dead giveaway that says, Oh man, there's no way that you're relevant and what those replacements are because you and I both 
have a very clear understanding. And yet the rest of the marketplace, sadly, is continuing to repurpose and reuse these thinking that this is what should mm-hmm. be done. So let it rip, Colleen. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you asked it. So number one for me, seasoned. I hate it. I can't stand seasoned. Please don't call yourself seasoned. You're not a piece of meat. You're, you know, <laughs> you, you, it's gonna be so many things, but seasoned isn't it. Experience, again, it, for me, experience it just makes you sound old, even if I know that's not what you're intending, but it is. You know, I have references available on request. We know that, you know, it's exactly. Yes. I stuck my tongue out. <laughs> I know, I know, because it's because we used that 30 years ago, but we're not using that anymore. So it's just okay, not. So let's just stop there. Yeah. Ixnay, oh, 86, 86, the seasoned, 86, yeah. the experience, and yeah. also. What should we replace that with? Because they're so indelible and it's almost like, well, what other words are better? I like innovative, Mm. you know, sometimes my folks aren't comfortable with visionary, but if you, if you can stand in visionary, I'm cool with that award-winning, you know, there there are lots of different adjectives that you can use. You can, you, you could use creative, you know, but those those words like season and experience it just you know you're you're picturing so i don't know for me it just it makes you sound out of touch i also want to add in there both out of touch and overused right they're they're like oh my gosh please spare spare us and spare decision makers because that is a automatic in the next pile yeah. And then what about this idea of claiming the number of years? Oh, I'm a, I'll, I'll make it really bad. I'm a seasoned and proven track, le- track. <laughs> I have a seasoned and proven track record with 20 years of experience. I mean, if, if I don't see every LinkedIn profile, resume and talk track say that, I, I, I mean, I could just, you and I could just go into business and retire right here and now. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, instead of focusing on those years of experience, you want to focus, we'll go back to the value and the, you know, the career highlights. I mean, I, I get that you're, that most folks are proud of having a long career, right? Like it is something to be proud of, but that's not where we're leading in this. We're going to lead off with, you know, more impactful value statements and then kind of go from there. Right. And they can figure that out pretty quickly. I mean, anybody that you're having a conversation with has done some pretty basic math to go, oh, he graduated around this time. So yeah, he's been in the field for a couple decades, right? So that's not a newsflash. So let's replace that. And then what about proven track record? How do you replace that? Because doesn't everyone have a proven track record? I would hope so. Isn't that what the resume is? I would, I mean, again, if, you know, if you are showing your results and you're showing your impact and you're quantifying results where you can, then you don't need to say that. And, you know, just like articulate communicator, you know, all of those things that are way overused that someone probably saw in a template somewhere, somewhere, and you think, oh, you know, this is, this is what they're expecting to see. Well, it, they're expecting to see it because most people, you know, show up with that kind of language where you can really stand out is thinking through, hey, what makes me different? 
and what makes me stand out. Any others that I missed? Any other culprits out here that need to go into the digital dumpster? You know, one interesting one I, I've seen a few times recently is calling out mobile number or cell phone number because, you know, the listen, you know, I still have a, a landline and, and other folks may too, but when you're calling out a mobile number, then it kind of makes you seem like, I, I mean, it's just a given that you're giving your cell number, right? Like, so you don't need to call it out anymore. Okay. So that's cost of entry, right? We all have a mobile number now. Not a big deal. Exactly. And those old email addresses. So like if it's a Yahoo or an AOL, oh, AOL. Verizon, right? Like if you want to keep that for your friends, like that's, that's great. But like, just get a Gmail. And even if you just use that for your, your work or your job seeking, like that's totally fine. But you, if you, if you're like Bob at AOL.com, like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, it's, I, you just look out of touch. Right. So even though these are small and nuanced, they are giveaways. So take them into consideration. You do not want to be making it more difficult for yourself, fighting against things that are easy and correctable. So please take heed on that. I hope you were taking notes or listening a second time because those items and those catchphrases or resume Klingons in some ways are really, are, are really a telltale sign that you are not relevant. I want to get raw for a little bit because there's something that has been happening for a very, very long time, specifically with baby boomers and Gen, Gen Xers, which is you're overqualified, right? Oh, this is like the gut wrench right in the middle of your heart. And so how do you respond to somebody preserving a relationship? Maybe you've been in through an interview process and you thought that you had been building that social capital or career equity, however you want to phrase it. And then either a form letter or maybe it's a call. And they say, well, we just, you know, think you're overqualified. What is that? What is that code for? Yeah, I mean, no, I, I just, I hate overqualified. It drives me up a wall because what it does is it's assuming, like, like, so let's say that you were on the director path, right? And you've been a director for the last 10 years, but maybe you've decided for a variety of reasons that you want to be an individual contributor. It happens all the time, right? Where folks just say, you know what? I don't want to manage a team anymore. Or, you know, it, there's just, and those are your own personal, you know, reasons that you don't have to share with anyone. And so, you know, or, or maybe you've been out of a job for six months and, and you just need to pay the bills. I, I spoke with a job seeker this morning who is fighting cancer and needs to get on benefits. Like, People have real world issues, right? Where like, yeah, I got to get the next job that comes through, you know? And so instead of having the discussion, these companies will just say, you're overqualified because you'll leave in six months when you find something better, right? So I, for me, you can try to be upfront. So before they even call you overqualified, if, if they'll give you that phone call, just say, listen, you know, I realize that I've been on the director track for the last 10 years, but 
for reasons X, Y, and Z, I've decided that I'm stepping back. I want to be an individual contributor. Here's how I've succeeded in the world in the past. And here's how I can step in and deliver value in the future. You know, if they pull the, um, oh, you're going to be bored thing, like, you're not going to be bored. And if you are bored, then that's on them. That's not, you know, you're, you're going to go in and you're going to be stimulated and you're going to go in and deliver everything you can. So, you know, the overqualified thing, it really does drive me up a wall because it's, it, it is a company making assumptions about you and your goals and even your salary goals. You know, maybe you're willing to take a pay cut because of the other things you have going on in your life. You know, you, there's all sorts of reasons why folks make the decisions they make when these companies assume that about you, like it, you can try to be upfront, even in a cover letter and say, listen, I can see why you might be concerned, but here is how I'm going to step in and, and deliver value in this role. Yeah. You just jumped on the thought that I was having, which is how do you politely overcome this without being defensive and keep yourself yeah. in the running. So there's a lot of elements here because you, if, if, if it's a company that you really care about and you have done your part in building those relationships, well, you know, I, I, you're, you're talking to the woman that's going to say, go advocate for it. Go. If that's your job, don't just walk away, go and fight for it. You can. And so how do you do that in a way that's value additive, assertive, and in a place of, of personal power where you're, where you're saying, you know, you could think this all day long, but guess what? Well, I think, you know, it's presenting yourself, but then also realizing you only have control over so much, right? So if they are going to, if they're going to stick in a place where they are not willing to talk with you about it or understand where you're coming from, then you don't want to work with them anyways. And so it's maybe it's going into it, understanding, hey, I'm going to learn a lot about them through this too. So, you know, if, if, if you built that relationship and you feel comfortable going in and having that discussion, then then go for it and do it. And if they come back and they they don't want to budge from that assumption about you, then maybe you say, yeah, you know, I, I'll find someone who who understands me better. Mm-hmm. I I think that, and I I'm so curious to hear what you say about this, but I think that companies that we want to work for work in many cases like a dog whistle right? They hear you and you hear them. And if you are transparent, which does require a level of vulnerability and bravery and kick it off right from the onset, then I, my fingers are crossed here. Then why is that any different than coming clean and saying, Hey, I'm a working mom, or I, I have other responsibilities or health issues. I mean, it is just part of who you are. Does it make you any better? Does it make you any less? But I think that having the ability to stay clear on that and also have a little bit of a, you know, take it or leave it attitude is very healthy. I think it is too. I think you can't get so stuck. I mean, you know, these, I think that's where, job seekers sometimes where you can get stuck and then where where you do lose that confidence is that you take it personally when they make these judgments about you or you know it it's like listen it's their loss and you got to go into all of that with that with that kind of attitude i mean yes you need i get it 
Most of us need to work. We need to pay the bills, you know, so you're looking for that job. You don't want to look desperate, but you do, you know, you want to advocate for yourself and the right company will be receptive. And, and honestly, we'll view that as someone who, hey, she's she's going to go and she's going to do the same thing when she's working for us and make sure that, mm -hmm. you know, that she's being proactive. So I think that, you know, it, you definitely want to pay attention to all of those cues that you're picking up through the hiring process without a doubt. So we're going to flip this around a little bit. And we've talked about the things that are, please do not do those. And what I would love to hear from you is also some of the skills or attributes that we didn't even know that people of this age have. Like they're just so benign to us, not because we don't know them, because we're just so used to them and how we can fast forward them and or highlight them so that they are seen as valuable. So all those skills, you're not really, you're just, it's just part of who you are, but that are very valuable to organizations as somebody who is considered in the more mature years of their career. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So for me, what I like to emphasize for my clients is, you know, a lot of them have a great growth mindset and they're, you know, constantly evolving and taking a continuing education. So they're taking, you know, new courses. And so instead of just leaving that in the education system, I'll probably talk about that in their executive summary and say, mm. hey, I'm, I'm always expanding my skill set and I just received this certification in XYZ or I took this class and I learned this. And so that that kind of signals to the team, hey, you know, um, he's receptive, he's open to trying new things. And so it may seem like a little thing, but, you know, it, it's really showing that, you know, you are evolving, right? Because that's, because when folks are afraid of hiring Gen Xers or baby boomers, what they're saying is, I don't think you can come in and, and adapt to this culture. I don't think that you can come in and learn new things. I think you're going to be stuck in your ways. And so, Anything you can do to signal that that's not you, you want to do that throughout the process. Okay. So, so shout out to ChatGBT and AI if you are taking a course or you are learning on the fly. You could probably even get away, and I'm going to ask you, you're the expert, Colleen, you know, dedicating 30 minutes a day to troubleshooting on AI. Hey. Absolutely. Anything that you can do to show that you're up on technology, that is, that's probably one of the biggest things that you can do for yourself. Any other signals that can help to override a perception or even to minimize that perception? A strong LinkedIn profile is, is huge for folks because I'll go into folks' profiles and you can tell they haven't touched it. You know, it's like a shell and... You know, I'm not saying you have to go out and get a professional head, like a, a, a crazy headshot, you know, although they do have those AI generated ones now that look really cool. But my headshot was taken in the, my backyard by my teenager. And I know, that's I love it. on her iPhone. Like, so I, my, you know, there's, there's a lot you can do to put together a strong profile that you don't have to pay for. Right. So, you know, just, but fill it out and, and, and ensure that you put a little bit of time into it, even if you you take that 30 minutes a day, right? And you 
you put your 50 skills in and, you know, you, you write it in an about section and even, you know, for bonus points, put something in your featured section, you know, but, but the more, the, the stronger your LinkedIn profile is and the more savvy it looks, it shows, hey, you know, this person's on trend. They're really trying to be up to speed on how things are going. Yes. And so for any of you LinkedIn naysayers, this is a free 24-7 tool that I guarantee you is the first place anybody is going to go and learn about you. So you may as well make it accurate and set your set the cycle of what's to come up on the best foot because otherwise you are just you're putting questions where they don't need to be. So I I, I really love that suggestion I, I hear all the time. Oh yeah, I used to be on LinkedIn. It's like, well, what happened? It only got better. Where'd you go? Right. Well, ninety percent of recruiters say they—that's where the first place they go. So, hundred percent. I mean, if you're not there, and if you haven't built out your profile, then like you're doing yourself a disservice. Absolutely. And what I also want to address is. In your follow-up communications, in your messaging, what can you do? Because sometimes I get these emails from, from people and it will say something in there. And also that language feels so antiquated. What, what should we think about when we are either using subject lines or in email correspondence or even leaving a voicemail? How do we, how do we use those tools to our advantage? Yeah, that's a great question too. So, you know, it's funny, sometimes folks will send me their cover letter and it's like the old school format, right? So it's, you know, the name and address. And I mean, like correspondence just in general has changed. It's not what it was. It's not that formal tone. So I'm not saying you don't want to be, you know, unprofessional or informed, but you still want to be aware that folks, you know, the way that we communicate, it's not what it was in 1995, as far as, you know, dear Mr. So-and-so, like that's, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, it's okay to start the conversation with, Hey, Lauren, what's up? You know, I don't know if I'd say what's up, but maybe I would, depending on who I'm talking to. Right. So, you know, gauge the culture of the company. Mm -hmm. And that goes for interview apparel, that goes for everything, right? So it all kind of feeds together. You know, it's not the navy blue suit anymore. It's not, you know, the the crisp paper that we used for, you know, sending the cover letters and the resumes. It's putting all of that together. And so, you know, when you're sending that correspondence, when you're leaving the voice message, you know, really think through, how do I want to be seen? Do I want to be seen as on trend and, you know, polished, but not in a 1995 sort of way, but in a 2023 sort of way? So, so yeah, absolutely think through, you know, how you are presenting yourself and who you're speaking with. Yes. I, I see a lot, I see a lot of very outdated messaging, whether it be in even direct mail, uh, direct uh, messages rather on LinkedIn, uh, dear sir, dear madam. To whom it may concern. To whom it may concern. Sincerely. I don't yeah. know that many people that sign off sincerely anymore, unless they're my mother. 
<laughs> so any other any other thoughts that you have as the new year is fast approaching to talk to us about any big changes, how even ageism is either more uh, pronounced as companies are moving back more back into the office? Is this more of an opportunity for people who are working remotely because they need more people who are able to fill in perhaps some of those opportunities that are more aligned to a flexible schedule? Yeah, no, that's, you know, those are interesting thoughts that I, I, I'm not sure where it's all going to head. You know, I, I the, you keep hearing about these companies and these RTO policies, and I don't know. I'm very curious to see how this all goes. I know just in my practice, I, I've seen a lot of folks come through that are Gen Xers and baby boomers who have been laid off, and they've been with these companies 15, 20 years, and they never saw it coming, never. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have a resume. They never kept it up. Their LinkedIn profile is that shell. And they're trying to kind of restart things. So, you know, my biggest piece of advice for anyone is to really, you, you know, January and February, we always say are like busy hiring months. Be ready because you don't, and, and that's just in general, you don't know where things are going, but, you know, it's bad enough to lose your job. It's it's really bad whenever you're trying to catch up on 20 years of housekeeping, you know, and trying to figure out where to go next because you you really believe that that company would keep you on. I mean, I think we've all seen like no one's safe anymore. And I'm not trying to be a, like a naysay or like, or like spread doom and gloom, but it's just being realistic. Like you don't know. So I, I would take the time to be prepared and just, and, and if anything, Take like 10 minutes a day to update your LinkedIn profile and just mm-hmm. like that, you know, pick like one thing you're going to do just to get ready and, and then just go from there. Yeah. And I, I would say as a partner to updating your LinkedIn resume, please, if you don't want to write content, no pressure, but commenting, if you have all these years of experience, where's your thought leadership? We cannot oh find what is invisible. So use that time period to share your point of view, where you stand on this issue. It may be uncomfortable at first, but that's also what companies are attracted to. So no, you true. don't want to shoot yourself in the foot by holding back. When this is your area and, and, and that industry or that organization desperately needs to have a, a grown up in the room who is able to speak on that topic. So there Absolutely. are tons of opportunities by just reframing some of the stinking thinking, as I said before, around what that is and let yourself define what your age means to you. Do not let somebody else define it said the 59-year-old woman who is just getting started. So, I mean, listen, you can do this. You can right. do this, but you definitely are going to want to play with your your mindset a little bit and not take no for an answer. Exactly. Exactly. So we're going to jump into some of our signature questions. And I always love these because it is a 
additional opportunity to learn a little bit more about you. And so I think that you're a little bit of a book nerd too, right? Yeah, I think you are. So if I want to learn about ageism or I want to really reframe my my head and, and approach my search in a, a relevant and honest manner, is there a particular book or publication that you would suggest we dive into? That's an awesome question. Um, so who I love just off the top of my head is Dory Clark because just she's just mm. about all things reinvention. And so I know a lot of her work is more about entrepreneurship, but I just think in general, her positioning strategies of thinking about yourself in a different way, it's just, it's just smart for all of us, you know? And so- The long game it, is really great. It really is. So if, if I was gonna start somewhere, I probably would start with Dory and then kind of expand from there. Yeah, I'm gonna add a double click out there for Ashton Applewhite. Um, she's really, she's also written a book called This Chair Rocks, which awesome. is, it's a great title. And I think it's, I think it's really perfect. She is on a mission to end ageism altogether. All right. I totally have to check it out. For sure. A post-it. Do you have a post-it that we could put on something nearby where we could have a gentle reminder that helps us to overcome some of the stigmas around ageism and, and move into a, a more relevant sense of relevance. Wow. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's really about just staying positive. I, I don't have, I'm trying to think, you know, I mean, I think you can have a, a great career at any age. And I think that's what you have to keep in mind, you know, and it's, you know, for me, you know, when you talk about flipping the script, like, let's flip the script, like your age and your experience is your superpower. Like you, you know, all of that wealth of experience you have, like that's, you know, that's what sets you apart. And so take that and run with it. And anyone who doesn't value it, like that's their loss. It's not, you know, I wouldn't get stuck there. Yeah, there are so many quote unquote celebrities who have made incredible, incredible comebacks and even like had the greatest success of their careers in their latter parts. And I, and I think that there's a lot that we can play with and a lot that we can learn from in those. And it doesn't just have to be, and by the way, I should have said this earlier, ageism isn't just about people who are on the more mature side of their career. Oh yeah. You could have ageism and be very skilled and nobody wants to give you the time of the day because now you don't have the experience. So then you get into that Goldilocks syndrome. That's really not what this episode is about. We'll come back for that one. But I just wanted to dispel the myth that ageism is just about a certain number. It's not. It's it's a prejudice towards age, period. Yeah, absolutely. So the last question, and you mentioned earlier that you have four kids. So you can tell them that you you took this stand on your walk-up song. What is it, Colleen? Oh my gosh. It would probably, so it's so hard to choose. There's so many. Um, I'm from Pittsburgh. I love black and yellow. I don't know if you know that song, but it's really yes. good. Um, I do love a lot of old school rap, you know, so it's, 
my kids will like die when I play Notorious B.I.G. Like they're just like mortified, but I'll keep it at black and yellow and we'll go from there. All right. I, I, you see, that's what makes you, you. That's the best part. That's my almost my favorite part of this whole show is when people tell us tell us what their walk up song is because I think that there's a very good indication of the spirit behind people by the music that they choose. Of course, mine is the Bee Gees, but everybody already knows that. I just thought I would give another shout out to Barry since he's the only one left. So, that being said, please, all of you, any of you who are dealing with concerns about ageism, feeling irrelevant, not sure where to go, absolutely you want to go make a beeline over to Colleen Paulson over on LinkedIn. And I didn't mention this earlier, but man, she's been everywhere. She's a contributor to Wall Street Journal and Forbes and this and that and comes from Carnegie Mellon. So she does a lot of work with them as well. So highly, highly, highly respected. And I have mad respect for you. For all of you who are listening today, if you liked this episode, you know what I'm going to ask you. Do us a solid. Please write us a podcast review. We are hovering someplace around 90 and we're looking to get to the top 1% of career podcasts out there. And we are doing it one set of years at a time. So thank you so much for listening today. And all the show notes are below. So don't forget to check those out as well. Have an awesome rest of your day and keep on trucking. All right, everybody. Talk soon. Thank you for joining today. We appreciate your listening ears. Big time. We ask this, use these tools, not tomorrow, right now, and share them by spreading the love, leaving us a rating and subscribe so you don't miss the next career blast in a half. Most of all, thank you for you.